This is Becoming a Podcast for Teens and Young Adults, Episode 63, Toxic Perfectionism with Natalie Reeve. Hi there, and welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. We are your hosts, Tani Beardall and Erica Peterson. We will be interviewing guests with unique experiences and experts in different fields to help us get the most out of each episode. This episode is brought to you by Aligned Ambition. Aligned Ambition specializes in guiding teens and young adults in finding their individual strengths, values, and skills to find career and education alignment that will be the best fit for your personality. We might hope that our personal plan and path will simply reveal itself, but often when we seek for help in the right places, we will find it with a clarity we never thought was possible. Aligned Ambition is the right place to find confidence in your plan. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Today's episode is going to be a great one. I feel like everyone in some aspect is going to be able to take this lesson to heart. Doesn't matter which way you look at it, but there's definitely a few ways you might connect to this story. So you might really resonate with Natalie and her experiences and think like, yes, I get her. I get that pressure. I get those feelings. Um, I'm filled with feelings of wanting to meet others' expectations or strive for perfection. But if that's not something really you connect with, you might realize that you're holding others at a certain standard that's not accurate. Or you might want to reflect a little bit more internally and realize the expectations of yourself and of others. And hopefully we can give you some tools to interact and see the true value in others as well as yourself. I am thrilled to have our guest today. I personally love her so much. Her name is Natalie Reeve, and she was actually one of my young women when I was a counselor for our church. I just feel like I got a front row seat to her teenage years, and I am so incredibly proud of her willingness to share her story and be so vulnerable with us today and opening up in a way that will really touch and serve other people. So welcome to the podcast, Natalie. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. It's so much fun to catch up. It's been a while. <laughs> I know. Natalie lives down in Provo and goes to BYU. Mm-hmm. How long have you been there? I can't remember. This December will be three and a half years. So I graduate in April. Oh, that's soon. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> Time has flown by. That's so exciting. I'm excited to be here and share my story with you guys. We are really great friends with Natalie's mom, and we were talking about just the pressure that teens have and all that they have to cope with and deal with, and she said that Natalie has been really doing this personal soul searching and has really recognized some patterns in her life that she has struggled with and is really coming to understand them. And so Natalie was willing to come on here and talk about it, and I really think it's going to resonate with so many of you, and it's going to be really powerful. But I'd love you to just start maybe from the beginning when you noticed these behaviors in you and how you dealt with them, Natalie. Yeah, for sure. So um, growing up, I have always loved 
fashion I loved, going shopping with my mom. It's still one of our favorite like activities to do together. And I only like shopping with her. So from a young age, I would love to go buy new clothes and create different outfits and stuff like that. And I thought it was really fun. And so it started off as something really fun for me. And then over the years, I started getting attention for it. And it wasn't really until high school, I think, especially like dances at school. I always got comments about how people were excited to see what I wore. And it was really flattering for sure, but it also put some pressure on me because I wanted to like meet their expectation. And every dress had to be like better than the last one because I wanted to like keep going up from there, you know? Natalie, you are a very naturally beautiful person. So it's not just simply like the fashion and the outfits, but you are somebody who people take notice to because you are just a beautiful person and you are a kind person. So, you know, you kind of gravitate people towards you, but this was something that you were seeing was maybe the only thing people were focusing on. And then you were really gravitating to that. Is that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, growing up, I've been an athlete my whole life. I played soccer, basketball, like you name it, I've probably played it. And I was always really tall because I'm 5'10 and I'm really thin. And so I have had multiple times, I don't want to sound like cocky or anything like this but like I've had multiple times where people have come up to me and like said oh wow like you should be a model you're beautiful and I mean as a young girl like I I loved hearing that because who doesn't love to hear that they're beautiful but I think over time it kind of became my identity is that you know I got attention for how I dressed or how I looked and so subconsciously that's where my worth came from. And so I always felt like I had to keep up this image of like how I looked at school and all that stuff. Cause not only was I getting attention for that, but then I was dating my now husband in high school and we got a lot of attention from that too, because I mean, we were 16 when we started dating and we got attention for it probably because it was kind of frowned upon a steady date. And I mean, everyone wanted to be involved in our relationship and everyone wanted to know what was going on. And so I felt like I had to keep up this image on all aspects of my life. It's so true. Obviously, everybody has their opinions. And also, it's kind of like you're the local tabloid. You know, people are just watching your every move and excited for you or wanting to change how you're doing things or whatever. But that's a lot of pressure to keep up on all fronts. Yeah. And I mean, we got comments a lot of like being the perfect couple in everyone else's eyes or because of my looks and the clothes I wore and like my, how great my relationship was. Everyone thought my life was perfect. And I had friends even like refer to me as Miss Perfect, like in their phones, my contact name was Miss Perfect. Mm, No pressure. I know. Like, I know they thought it was super funny. And at the time I was like, whatever, it's fine. But like, I think deep down, I kind of internalized that and like wanted to be that for everyone else. And I felt like I was living this life of trying to please everyone else and get their approval because, you know, the comments I got like were so great when I didn't get them. I just like, it's not that I craved them, but like, that sounds awful. But like, I just wanted to please everyone because I'm such a people pleaser, you know? That really doesn't sound awful. That actually sounds extremely normal. I think we live in a society where we are just obsessed with praise and we're used to it. And like you said, sometimes we internalize that that's our value. We often begin to feel like we are only succeeding if someone else recognizes us or tells us that we are doing great. 
And that becomes our worth, which is super sad and it's not true. And I just feel like we need to start giving compliments and comments that focus more on the things that matter most, not just our outer appearance or our performances, but like the kind of people we are, the kindness you show, you know, the love and attention you give to somebody. And so I think that's a great thing to kind of learn from this, even just this early in your story is recognizing those kind of comments we make to people and how those impact us. Exactly. So you are starting to recognize this want for praise. Where did you kind of see it becoming an, a problem or something that really was affecting you? Probably when I left on my study abroad. So my sophomore year of college, I went to London, England to do a study abroad through BYU. And it was like the most incredible experience I've ever had. I mean, we went all over Europe and it was so amazing. But I started noticing changes in my body that I'd never noticed before. So we were constantly eating because we were walking everywhere and you were always so hungry. And plus you're in this country you've never been to and you want to experience it and you want to eat all the food they have to offer and all that. And it's so great, but I've never really gained weight before. I've always kind of been at the same um, size because the fact that I was an athlete all through my life. And so I've never really noticed any changes before. And as we were there, I started putting on weight. And at first it wasn't really a big deal to me, but then I started noticing a change in my body. And I instantly thought I had to like start eating healthy or I'd start getting up early in the mornings to exercise before we had class. Cause I thought in my head I could reverse it. Cause I mean, I've always been able to keep my body the way it was. And so it should be easy to reverse it. Right. It really became an issue to me, I guess, because I was surrounded by all these girls, I would hear the things they would say about their bodies. And even if they didn't really mean it, I took it, like I internalized it and started believing these things about myself that weren't necessarily true. Not that they said it about me, but I would say it about myself. And I started putting this unrealistic amount of pressure on myself to look a certain way. I do think women and girls, especially, you know, we carelessly say things sometimes about our body image that maybe we think it doesn't mean anything. But as we say those things over and over or around other people who may be struggling with those things, we have no idea the effect it can have on other people or on ourselves. And I've found that if you, you know, really change that script, you end up valuing yourself for more things than just your body image. But it is a very common thing that you hear. And it's just something that is not healthy and it's not helpful. Exactly. And I don't think that they had any idea of what they were saying because I know they didn't believe it about themselves. I kind of think it became a, like a peer pressure thing almost like everyone was saying it about themselves. So then they started saying it about themselves. It made me realize even just looking back now, like how intentional you should be with the things you say about yourself and about others. Because like you said, you don't know the effect that it will have on someone else especially when it comes to your body image. When you hit college, it changes so much. I definitely didn't realize that as a high schooler that my body would change the way it did. I just think that it's so important to not only talk positively about your own body, but about your body in front of other people too. You don't know what they're going through. Absolutely. Our bodies are going to change, like different hormones, different life experiences. And I personally really believe that we just need to have this love for it. Like, God, isn't that body amazing? It took you to another country and you got to explore and we go through hard things and this body 
helps us get through it. And I just think having that love for yourself, no matter what size or shape or anything, that love for self just exudes and people love being around that. And I know people are trying to be funny when they just make comments like, oh gosh, I've gotten so chubby or whatever. But I just think people like being around love and positivity. And if you're talking positively about yourself, it's a reflection. They'll start saying the same things about themselves. Yeah, I would totally agree with everything you said. And, you know, looking back, I think that this experience like changed my relationship with food. I started feeling guilty for eating certain things and I started restricting my diet in a way that I had never done before. Like I was counting calories and I mean, cutting out carbs and every time I would like eat, I would feel guilty and feel the need to like Mm. exercise to burn it off. And if I didn't exercise, I would feel guilty. And the thing is, it's like the exercise I would do was like cardio. I didn't know anything about exercise because all I've ever done is played soccer. And so in my head, running on the treadmill is the only way that it's going to fix it. And I hate Mm -hmm. cardio, but I like would force myself to do it because in my head, that was the only thing that was going to change it. It wasn't even like something that was enjoyable for you. It was just like, just to address the problem. It was miserable for me too. And I hated every second of it. I mean, at this point, like I was probably back from my study abroad and we were living in an apartment and our apartment complex had a gym and I would go at like 11 o'clock at night because in my head I had to work out. And if I didn't, I would just body shame myself. Like I would stand in front of the mirror and just rip myself apart. And so I would go at the worst times to get that exercise in so that I could make up for the calories I ate that day. Because of all this, I developed what is called orthorexia. Um, It's not formally recognized as an eating disorder necessarily, but it's like a form of disordered eating that involves restrictive eating, obsession with healthy eating, like counting calories, reading nutrition labels, and like obsession with exercise. Ugh, it breaks my heart to even think that you were going through that. And I think what we end up doing is kind of punishing ourselves. Like you said, just ripping ourselves apart. And the exercise is a punishment when really we can look at it as like, I love this body and I want to take care of it. It's going to carry me through my life and I want to keep it healthy because this is the only one I have. And it's just so how you're thinking about it. It sounds like you were just in that headspace that you were just feeling so negative about yourself that that's how it was reflecting. That just breaks my heart. Thinking back to it, just like it's hard for me sometimes, but it was a really dark time for me because not only did I develop this form of disordered eating, but with it came depression and really bad anxiety. I learned at that point that like when you don't feed yourself correctly, like if you're restricting your diet, if you're not eating enough calories, your body kind of shuts down. I became really depressed and I was just miserable and constantly anxious. I think what made my eating disorder so hard for me was that from the pressure I had previously put on myself through high school and you know, as I started college, my body was the one thing that my identity came from. And when that changed, it was almost like I was losing that identity and I hated how I looked. Even just like sitting there, I, like feeling how my clothes fit me and feeling how my stomach felt and things, I was constantly just negative about my body. I just felt the pressure to get back to how I looked before because that's when I would get the compliments given to me from everyone else. 
what did you do to actually, you know, notice this was going on, really look at it, maybe do something about it? What did you do to kind of turn this around? I think for me, I had to hit like a low point to know that I needed to get help. Um, When my now husband, Grant, got back from his mission, my anxiety, depression, like all of eating disorder, all of it was at an all-time high, which was so sad for him to come back to that. I just remember the day after he got home, I was so stressed because everyone was talking to me about him coming home and how excited they were to see us together. And like, what are we going to start dating in? Are we going to get married and all that? And I remember driving home one night after he came home from hanging out with friends and I just sobbed in my car because the anxiety and pressure I felt from it just was so overwhelming that I just like couldn't do it anymore. There came a point where, you know, after a couple months, it was still getting really bad. And I had to make the decision for myself with the support of Grant and my family that I needed to get help and I needed to go to therapy. With therapy, I did a dietitian as well. So she was in charge of kind of helping with my relationship with food and my body issues that were tied into that. And then my therapist was helping with my anxiety and depression and also some of the thoughts I had tied into my eating disorder. How did you find the strength to tell your family and Grant what you were experiencing and feeling? I've always been the kind of person that always feels the need to share what I feel. I constantly want to talk about it. (laughs) Um, I didn't want to feel the way I had anymore because it had been like months at that point of feeling that way. And there comes a point in life where you just don't want to feel miserable anymore. And I finally had the realization that I wanted to change. I needed help because the thing is, I am the kind of person that wants to do everything by myself, but I realized that you can't always do things by yourself and it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. For me, that's one of the hardest things is to just voice it to someone like I am struggling. I'm glad that was just kind of a natural part of who you were and you didn't stop it because it was really vulnerable. I love that you have that support and your family helped you get the help that you needed. Mm-hmm. So we ask our guests this question, but we're going to kind of cover this for the whole last section about what you would tell your high school self, some advice you would give to others who are struggling with this need to present a certain facade or reality for other people. You know, what would you tell your high school self? I'd probably start off by telling myself that you don't have to be perfect and it's not realistic to expect perfection out of yourself. And you don't need to live a life of pleasing other people. I think that now looking back, like I realize how important it is to do things that make me happy. For me, perfectionism kind of showed itself in me not being willing to try new things. When I was so worried about how I looked and if I would make a team or not, I wouldn't even try out for something because I was so afraid that I wouldn't make it. I started only doing things that I knew I would be good at. And that makes me really sad realizing like how much that held me back. I could have had so many different experiences. I could have grown and challenged myself in different ways. I have this different awareness of perfectionism and I really feel like it hinders our resilience and our ability to handle stress and conflict because we just avoid. We don't do things unless we know we'll be perfect at them. And I know that there's this commandment that we need to try to be perfect, but I personally think that's really misunderstood. And I don't think we need to be perfect right now. I know we're humans and we're going to make mistakes. I think the goal is 
to strive to just be better than you were yesterday and to realize that we are just growing and learning and God's grace and the atonement will make up the difference. And I think if we can keep that in mind, it will help us to not be so hard on ourselves and just to have more patience and love for ourselves. Tawny, you and I were talking about this earlier today. Like it's really hard to find that balance of like striving for better and then also like the appearance of better. We so often are like, well, I should be doing better. So I should be appearing better and or I should be doing these things. And sometimes um, we just are doing them for the appearance, whether it's with good intentions or not for it to be an example for others or whatever. You know, you said something to me that was impactful. Just where is your heart at? Like, why are you really doing it? And kind of answering that question. And I love what you said, Natalie, like, I need to do things that are making me happy. I need to do things that are something that is for me and not for others. And, and you can still, you know, enjoy fashion and look nice, but it's got to be for you. Like changing that narrative is everything. Exactly. Something else I would probably tell myself or educate myself on in high school would probably be just topics of mental health, because I don't think I ever learned about it in high school. It was not a topic that was discussed much. And so going into college, you know, life changes a lot. You're on your own. You can always call home, but it's learning to be your own individual self. And that can be really hard. And a lot of people struggle with mental health when they come to college. And I think that if people discussed it more at a younger age, it would help prepare themselves for what they may face in the future. Absolutely. I totally agree. I do think it's becoming more talked about, but it is something that you can't just think that happens to other people, (laughs) you know, because I think people will struggle with those things at some point in their life. Most people will experience some aspect of mental health challenges. And so ignoring the things that are out there because you think it's not going to be you is not a great idea either. Yeah. And with that, I think that, like you said, you don't know if you're ever going to have that happen to you or experience that, but it's important to build your confidence in yourself at an early age so that when you do experience that, it's easier to get through. Because Mm -hmm. if I had a better self-worth at a younger age and confidence in myself and didn't necessarily get so wrapped up in body image, I think that when I experienced that weight gain or started having those eating disorder thoughts, like I wouldn't have been as hard on myself because I would have known that I am more than just my image. What are some other tips you might give for your teen self? I would probably say to surround yourself with people who build you up and bring positivity into your life. Um, Having such a strong support system is important at all stages of life especially when you go to college, having friends that really build you up and love and support you through it all and are there for you is really important when you're not with your family. I do think having that support system that knows you and loves you for who you are, no matter what your accomplishments are, no matter what you look like that day is so important. So what are some tools that you've learned maybe through therapy that are helping you to, you know, find your confidence and to be more genuinely yourself. First off, reminding myself that people don't always know what you're going through because we put up this image of what we want them to see and no one would know unless you share that with them what you're going through. And so I'm trying to be way more genuine in what I say and what I do. 
my major at school is public relations. We do a lot with social media. And I've been thinking about social media a lot lately and how so often people comment on Instagram things like, you're so perfect. Can I be you? I'm so obsessed with you, which is a big pet peeve of my mom's that I know I'm guilty (laughs) of saying a lot. I don't think we necessarily mean those things. And I think that when we comment on social media or what we say to people in person, it should be things that we're actually thinking like, wow, you look so happy and seeing you just brightens my day. I just want to be a more genuine person and say what I mean. I think that's so important with all of the posts that people do in the comments. One thing I'm working on is just try not to speak in superlatives. So meaning Uh, you're the best, you're the cutest, you're the smartest. When we speak like that, it kind of creates an automatic loser. Like this person's the best. So anyone else reading the comment would be like, well, then I'm a loser. It causes this competition to happen with others. When if we speak more to somebody's character or their effort on something, it kind of can cause more of a motivation for other people to know that I can do that too. It's not like this, well, I'm not the best. No one's obsessed with me. But when we speak more genuine about our comments, I think that creates this feeling of like, oh, she got a comment about how kind she is. Like, I can be kind too. Not like I can't be perfect. Like, she's perfect. That's something I want to work on. And I think it's just super important to recognize how we speak to other people. I think a tool that kind of helps with that is maybe using specific experiences to comment on people's talents or gifts or strengths. Like, you know what? I saw you do this and it just was so kind or whatever. You don't have to say you're always so kind because you can also put people at a standard at those things too. But getting to the specifics and really thinking about what we say is so important And I think it's just a bad habit that as a society, we've just created. It's not something that we think a ton about sometimes. We're just wanting to say something. And I think that's where a lot of these comments come from. It's just out there and we just need to think about it before we just say things. I know I'm so guilty of saying things I don't necessarily mean because I say what I think other people want me to say or what they want to hear. And I guess like what I'm trying to get at with all this is let's not be afraid to be the people we really want to be and say the things that we really want to say, be genuinely you because there's no one else like you. So beautiful and so, so true. So when you sent this story to us, the one thing I really wanted to know is what are you doing now to build your confidence and to keep your confidence and see yourself worth? I would say that it all comes down to self-love for me. For so long during my eating disorder and all the mental health things that I was struggling with, what it really came down to is that I didn't know how to love myself through that. And so it's been this journey for me of learning to love my body the way it is and appreciate it for what it is able to do because our bodies are amazing. I think also for me, it's taking time to take care of myself because I get so caught up in, you know, my busy schedule and my busy life that I don't take time to take care of myself. And when that happens, it's when it's the hardest for me with the things that I've struggled with, whether that be like, you know, taking time to read a book, to take a bath because I love my baths, to go on a drive, do something that makes me happy because I think that right now, I'm trying to rediscover what makes me happy because I don't want to do things that make other people. I mean, I want to make other people happy, but when it comes to 
myself, I want to do things that make me happy. Like, I don't want Grant to think that he has to be the one that brings me happiness. Like, I want to be able to be happy on my own and be able to bring, like, obviously he brings me joy, but he can't be the one that. But you're already full. Yeah. Like, I need to be able to find my own happiness so that we can, like, grow together instead of him constantly building me up, you know? Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. Like, he needs to come to the plate totally full and so do you. And then I would think thing above that is just, like, beautiful, awesome life. But we have to be personally fulfilled before we come to the table. Yeah. Or it just causes this sucking thing that is exhausting in a relationship. It's very difficult to be in a relationship with someone that constantly is taking and needing to be filled. You got to do it yourself. Exactly. I also think that with like mental health, it's important to let yourself feel the emotions you feel because so often I would kind of suppress those emotions or just be so negative about them. It's important to just recognize how you feel and then find ways to acknowledge it and then move past it. Mental health is viewed as something that, I don't know, it has this like stigma Stigma. around it. And it's important to realize that if you feel those things, it's okay. We all probably will struggle with things at some point in our lives. And you may not now, especially like all the high schoolers or teenagers listening, you may not deal with that now, but you may in the future and that's okay. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to feel those emotions and just know that it'll all work out in the end. For me, I just had to have faith that in the end it was going to be okay. And though I'm still going through a lot of things, I never could have imagined that it could be as good as it is right now. You have this beautiful self-awareness right now. I've always really admired you. It was actually hard to be your teacher because I just (laughs) had so much love and admiration for you. And I thought, gosh, you could probably teach me more than I could teach you. And I see a different side of you right now and it's so beautiful. And I'm a dork and I'm always getting emotional. (laughs) But I see a different like joy within you. Don't you think when you come to really know yourself and love yourself, like there's just so much more happiness to be found. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to think that I've had this hard trial, you know, I've made it through it and now I'm like 100% okay because with mental health, like it's a long process. I'm still not where I want to be. I still consider myself in the recovery process, kind of fighting every day for my own happiness. And I have my highs and my lows, but you know, something my therapist once told me is that you have to fight for your happiness, especially through trials. You have to make that choice to be happy and do things that make you happy so that you can find that happiness in life. And I think we all face trials and some may be harder than others, but they are what in the end become a part of us and make us who we are because we learn so many things through all the hard experiences. And I wouldn't change anything that I went through. I have become so much stronger through all of this and has really opened my eyes to the kind of person I want to be. You know, sharing this story was so important to me because I wanted to show everyone that, look, I'm not perfect. My life is far from perfect. There are great things about it, but there are hard things about it and that's okay. And I think that I want to be authentic and real and true to myself. And I want to share this message with other people so that hopefully I can help someone who's struggling too. Natalie, I literally want to jump through the screen and hug you right now. I am just really so proud of you for being self-aware enough to recognize this pattern in your life. But I'm honestly 
10 times more proud of you for being willing to share it. I know that takes strength and it's so brave of you to do. One thing I want to reiterate is our problems should not be compared to other people's. What you're going through is real and it's hard, whatever it is. It doesn't have to look like someone else's to be like, well, their struggle's harder. Like we need to focus on what's in front of us and really just take self-care. And I love that you're doing that. Yeah. What happens with experiences like this, they become a pattern. This behavior really kind of leads us down towards dangerous avenues. And you recognize that before that really happened because it can get into really doing some numbing behavior. And there's a lot of issues with that. You know, people get into drugs or alcohol or many other numbing behaviors, but it also leads to depression and sometimes suicide. So these little things that we don't think are very significant, they pile up and they become big things. I'm just super impressed with your self-awareness and willing to help yourself and love yourself and then being willing to share this and use your knowledge and what you've come to understand to really help and serve other people. I think it's beautiful and it's brave and I'm just so proud of you and I love you. Honestly, it's taken so long for me to get to this point. It's been two years of going through this. So like, I'm very excited to be at a point where I can like learn from what I've gone through and help others. And honestly, just having an outlet to do that through, like through this podcast, I think we've talked a lot about what we most love about this podcast and it's really been the stories and Mm -hmm. people sharing things that are hard or things that, you know, made them grow and people need other people's stories. It's one of those powerful things that we have now that maybe a few years ago, nobody had was other people's connections and stories. And we can so use what they went through to help ourselves. And it's like one of the most amazing things about social media and about podcasts is like you can feel connected in a way that you might have been so isolated about but it takes some serious bravery to share so I love to connect to people but the main way I love to do that is being vulnerable and sharing experiences and like you said Erica like you learn from each other's experiences and stuff like that I think that's such a powerful thing and social media and, you know, the podcasts and all that, like it just makes it so much easier to reach more people with that. And I just think that's such an awesome thing that we have as a tool now, you know? Yeah. Amen. So, true. Recently I've been trying to figure out what I want to do with this message and I'm not quite sure what that's going to be, but I think right now what it looks like for me is that moving forward i'm just going to be like so real on my instagram that's what i want to do because social media is such a big part of my life with the major i'm in and i think more people need to be authentic and real on instagram because we put up this image of what our life looks like but it's not reality i want to be real with people and i don't want anyone to ever question me or what my life's like because i want them to know that like Life's hard and I'm just trying to get through it. All the parts, all the parts of your life. Exactly. I think that's such a good example and we can all strive to be more real in our relationships, in our interactions and on social media or with those who we don't interact with daily. I think that's a really good goal that everybody can strive to be more real about showing not just the good and our favorite things, but some of the harder things or some of the more real things. So I think that's a really good example. 
And I personally think when you do that and you're super genuine and authentic, that's when people really connect to you even more and want to be around you more and you're happier. And it's like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. I agree. And if I can just like make a difference in one person's life by showing that my life's not perfect and that like I'm struggling with hard things too, and we're in this together, then I accomplished my goal. Amen. And that's kind of what we're doing here. Erica and I are not like these big experts. Like we've done it right. So let us share. Like we are like, (laughs) we're still trying to figure this out and become along with us. And that's kind of how I want to present myself in every aspect of my life. I'm a mess, but you can come join me. (laughs) I love it. Natalie, we cannot thank you enough for sharing your story. I feel so grateful to hear your story because I think we can all look at this in our lives and see where we can give ourselves a little bit more grace and be able to look for the value in ourselves more. So I appreciate you so much for sharing your story and I hope that others find the same value that I found in it today. Thank you guys for having me and for letting me share my message. I love you both. (laughs) We love you. Our pleasure. Thank you. Do you ever feel like there are so many ways to improve yourself and find your confidence that you don't even know where to begin? Strengths tests are absolutely one of the best places to start. Align Ambition specializes in not only providing you with the leading strengths assessment that has been performed for over 21 million individuals, but then walking you through the results to help you understand how your strengths work together and make you a unique, valuable asset for others to work with. This assessment truly changed my life. I have never found the power and clarity in a strengths test until I worked with Align Ambition. To get started with Align Ambition, click the link in the show notes and find your strengths. Okay. One more.